And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, how are you today? Doing fine. <laughs> it's good to see you. Feeling creative. Oh, creative. That goes along with our discussion today. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about imagination and um, possibly get into some uh, literature that is based on imagination. Uh, you might call it fantasy literature or fictional literature, um, but good, wholesome literature. Last week, we talked about memory, and I suppose as a natural extension of that into this week would be the whole area of imagination. Uh, Again, we're dealing with the mind. Uh, We recognize the fact that we are made in the image of God, and we have some of his attributes, certainly not to the extent that he possesses, but uh, we have the ability to love, um, to, to remember, to imagine, to create. Um, you know, we, we serve a wonderful creator God who holds this entire world in check and order and uh, ordains whatsoever comes to pass. And uh, he, he works things after the counsel of his will. But, but he had um, certainly creative uh, ability and still does. And so to an extent, us, his creation, uh, we also have um, this imagination ability. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. It is a faculty, too, uh, just like the ability to remember. It's it's a faculty. And and just as memory, it is necessary for us to be fully human. And uh, it's part of our equipment of being in the image of God. God created us after his own image, uh, now, when we use the word imagination, we, we might have to define it a little bit because there is a, I'll say up front, there is a sanctified imagination, but then there's also a sinful imagination. In mm-hmm. fact, the flood came upon that ancient world because the imaginations of men's heart were only evil continually. Yeah. But on the other hand, imagination is linked to creativity. It is absolutely necessary uh, as we go forward in life for problem solving, for enjoying life, and so forth. Uh, it is a faculty then. Um, it's an ability to form images and concepts. And it's an ability to to imagine, if you will, in the best sense of the word. And so as we see, it, it's also necessary to have empathy. Hmm. Imagination or the ability to put yourself in someone else's place hmm. or imagine you're there is is necessary to something like even empathy. Hmm. Good point. Or to being social in a certain situation. So just as memory is necessary, so is imagination. It seems also that um, the engineering world has a lot of imagination in it. Yeah, of course it's based on science and facts and rules and all of that, but for the engineer to be creative and not just not just uh, fix things when they break, um, that takes a good deal of imagination informed by the constraints and boundary value conditions of the real world. The more imaginative a society or an individual, the more creative they are and the more that they can solve problems. Mm. But those societies, I'll use the word, that are most barbarous are the least imaginative mm-hmm. and the most cruel. Mm-hmm. And those societies were the most imaginative, and I think imagination due to Christian influence yes. uh, are, are the most humane, have the ability to live, if you will, a civilized life. So I'm going to even say that imagination is necessary to civilization. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're and, right. And terribly important for being a Christian and serving the Lord in a creative and mm-hmm. and uh, problem-solving way. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking about some people, uh, how they look down on the Puritans. And um, I was reading a little bit about the Puritans the other day on one of the books on the Covenant Home. And these were an amazing group of men and women that loved God. And they had very good minds. Well, John Bunyan, you know, he wrote look the at that. Pro- absolutely <laughs> imaginative work. Oh my! Um, so we're talking about imagination, and um, you wanted also to discuss um, about some literature. I don't know if now is a good time to cover that, or well, absolutely. I mentioned John Bunyan, uh, but let me say something about imagination in this sense. What makes imagination? Uh, beneficial, and when is it wrong or sinful? Imagination that is based in reality is a very important thing. Imagination that is based on non-reality is sinful. Mm -hmm. But imagination is based on reality. Now, the details of our imagination can be illustrative and not not necessarily... uh, C.S. Lewis, for instance, makes a distinction between imagination or imagining and what he calls an imaginary friend. Imaginary is something that's not true to reality. This is a subtlety. But imagination and imagining have to do with reality, imagining things or projecting things in the future. So when C.S. Lewis writes fantasy, for instance, and I'll talk about him a little bit after the break, when he talks about fantasy – he also makes a distinction between the imagination that is sinful and wrong and leads away from the Lord mm. and an imagination that follows after the creativity of the Lord and can enhance your life and certainly take you to the depths, uh, as human beings can possibly plumb, mm. uh, of what it means to be a Christian, for instance, through great literature. Mm-hmm. Music, too. Music. I think of uh, our dear brother who has now passed Roger Verdesi was in our church for years. He was a musician, a professor of music. He uh, wrote some pieces. I think the other day at our church, we we played one of we performed one of the pieces that he had written. Didn't it? Didn't it? Uh, it almost enraptured you. Oh my! With taking you to another level. It's true. And that's what, what do I miss that guy? Yeah, do imagine. <laughs> that's what good imagination can do yeah. for you. Imagining. Yeah. So we're talking about imagination today. Um, We do need to take a short break. After we uh, come back, we'll talk more about literature. Uh, Today on A Plain Answer, Dr. John Vance is here. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. 
We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dale Mundorf. In the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. We're talking about imagination. And um, you're actually hearing this show, by the way. It's it's not in your imagination. It's really <laughs> happening. But um, let's talk a little bit about fantasy literature and um, some of the names that come up. Uh, actually, good Christian men, many of which uh, that we could read. We had a couple in the uh, Middle Ages. Uh, Piers Plowman wrote a marvelous uh, 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 work. Uh, it's, it's little read, but it's important. Uh, and then, of course, there are others. Uh, God, Godfrey of Monmouth and others produced uh, some of the tales or retold King Arthur uh, legends and so forth. Then we have uh, a, a really a spate of imagination kind of breaking loose uh, following the Reformation, uh, there was uh, Edmund Spencer, of course, who wrote The Fairy Queen. Uh, you have John Milton. And, of course, you still have the medievalist uh, Dante. Uh, these are all fantasy works that were meant to point people to Jesus Christ in one way or another. It's amazing. And to take people deeper into the biblical message. Yeah. Um, and, and you also have these then precursors to what we will get more to the future. But John Bunyan, I mentioned him before the break. Uh, he was a called the Tinker. He was imprisoned, by the way, for being a dissenter uh, from the religious forms of his day. He, 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 in other words, there was no religious freedom. But he spent nine years in prison. Mm-hmm. And while he was in prison, he wrote, made trinkets for his family. But he understood how important it was to have a good imagination that was sanctified. Mm. He... Um, he was able, if you will, to enhance his own life while he was in prison, support his family through his hands. Uh, he got no welfare. He got no public assistance. He didn't get a free education in prison. But nonetheless, this Isn't great and wonderful something? man uh, was able to reach out and keep his family together through his imagination. That, that's another thing. Imagination, as I alluded to before, is necessary for problem solving. It is. And going forth in the future. And look what he did. Yes, he solved two or three problems while you would think he would be in a place mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. couldn't do a thing mm-hmm. through imagination. Yeah. Yep. It happens in, in radio, too, by the way. Um, we have a project in New Jersey that we're working on. Some of our listeners have supported that already. And um, you have to, um, um, in your mind, you have to walk around that tower. You have to look at it, and you have to picture where the antennas are going to be mounted, and how they are mounted. And there's a lot of imagination uh, that finally gets fleshed out uh, 
uh, in the real world, um, and it starts kind of as a as a mind game almost. You can't plan for the future without no, a good can't. sanctified imagination. But uh, tell us more about um, some good reads, maybe some uh, men that you have in mind um, or women that uh, whose books we could order. Maybe go to Amazon, order up a couple of these works. Um, I'd love to know. Oh, well, let me start out with Lewis Carroll and George MacDonald, two, uh, one a Scotsman and one an Englishman. Lewis Carroll, of course, is was a Christian. I don't know whether most people know that or not. Uh, he was ordained uh, in the Church of England. He was a mathematician, but he loved writing, of course, and he wrote the uh, Allison Wonderland story and Alice Through the Looking Glass and some other works. Hmm. He He was a he loved puzzles, and he put puzzles in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are wonderful books to read. What you find in there are the structures of reality in in the uh, Lewis Carroll, uh, uh, right and wrong, uh, goodness mm-hmm. is rewarded, uh, finally evil is punished. I love that. It's, it's rooted in reality. Uh, he also understood that, uh, that fantasy could entertain, and he was entertaining uh, these children, and it, and of course, it's meant for adults too. Mm-hmm. Let me mention one though that that most people overlook: George Macdonald, Scotsman of the nineteenth century. Uh, George Macdonald was was highly influential on uh, the life of C.S. Lewis, and so C.S. Lewis credits him as much as anyone for oh. expanding his own imagination, and. Um, for instance, George MacDonald uh, wrote The Prince and the Goblin. <laughs> he wrote a lot of fairy tales. Um, he wrote uh, At the Back of the North Wind. And, and there are whole collections of fairy tales and things that he wrote. His family, in fact, was quite an entertaining family. He had a bunch of, bunch of kids. I know a lot of girls and wife, and they were all they would go around and entertain people and read their readings <laughs> and put on plays. Mm-hmm. So he was a very playful guy a minister in the Church of Scotland uh, at one point, um, and uh, he did have some ecclesiastical problems and ended up on the outside of the church, but in the church, another, you know, dissenting church. Uh, But the extraordinary imagination and creative individual, and he understood the role of fantasy and how important it could be Mm -hmm. in leading Christians into a, a wonderful understanding of the Christian faith. You know, I come from a different background, actually, and I I wish that I had um, taken the time and read some of these wonderful works that you're referring to. Uh, My background was more uh, technical, and, uh, you know, later in high school, I got into ham radio and stuff like that. It was wonderful, you know, but um, it's like part of my education was missing. Uh, I was always reading... A factual, technical, physics, uh, whatever type works, and um, and you know it fits very nicely with theology. But it's a little unbalanced if you don't also have this kind of reading. You've heard all work and no play. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So a, f- a fantasy literature can be a way of playing, but it also can expand your mind and your understanding of life. Mm-hmm. We we do that. Uh, through music, everyone I think understands oh, yes. how how music can enhance. In fact, most of your your programming here, a lot of it, always includes music, mm. and for a good reason. It, it it puts the softer side of life in your soul, <laughs> right? And and good literature can do the same. And and of course, C.S. Lewis, uh, he's probably the most 
prominent uh, writer of uh, fantasies in the Christian realm. He wrote a series, though, started out of apologetic works, such mm-hmm. as The Problem of Pain, Defending Christianity, uh, Mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also began to shade into fantasies. And if anyone has ever read The Great Divorce, what a wonderful understanding of uh, – he doesn't say that it's true to reality mm-hmm. except in the broadest sense of the term. He doesn't even say that hell is that way, but – uh, it's a divorce of heaven and hell, and he, he mm-hmm. sh- tries to demonstrate why. Uh, I'm actually reading a book now that I've not read before by C.S. Lewis, and I brought it with me. Yeah, Till We Have Faces. I've never, never even heard of that. And, you know, you talk about needing to be light, lightened up a little bit yeah, and put a little uh, levity in your heart. Yeah. I, I have to go to fantasy right. because I end up reading a lot of theology and a lot of philosophy, yes. and I have to – Lighten my soul up a little bit and get, put some joy in there. And I do yeah. that through reading uh, people like C.S. Lewis. And right. this is a retelling of the famous myth of um, of uh, Cupid and and uh, Psyche. Hmm. Till we have faces. Till we have faces. It's it's about a three hundred page retelling of yeah. that Greek myth. It's wonderful. So you've mentioned some names here today. Uh, C.S. Lewis. Um, Charles Williams is another one maybe Charles people don't Williams. know. He also influenced C.S. Lewis a great deal. Uh, they were good friends. Charles uh, Williams wrote The Place of the Lion. Maybe that's his most famous uh, work or maybe The Descent into Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great, uh, great works, both of them. Maybe a little difficult uh, for some. Uh, stick with C.S. Lewis's the, the the tales of Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, is a good place those for have children. Made, been made quite popular through movies mm-hmm. of late. Um, any other names that? Uh, well, come I, I, up? Dorothy Sayers. You know, s- s- the British have a great tradition of mystery writers. Dorothy Sayers was one. Agatha Christie, a Christian. Dorothy Sayers, a Christian. But they all ro- they wrote in the direction of detective things, and that mm-hmm. is in some ways imaginative literature that takes part of reality, and I think we all like a good detective story once in a while, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, what a... Oh, i got to ask you this. Um, do animals read? <laughs> yes, they, they read with their noses, <laughs> and they read uh, with their eyes, depending on the type of animal. I guess yes. they're reading signals all the time. Yes. You know, what we're talking about is communication in the broadest sense of the term. It's true. Human beings were made to communicate, and the, and and you will enrich your life. And here's my theory. I don't know. I haven't heard this espoused by anyone, but I'm sure people do in substance. But mm-hmm. let me put it together and give it some names. At the heart of the image of God is communication. God made us so we could communicate with him and with each other. And the better you can communicate in all the levels, whether it's math, music, fantasy, uh, it could be history, computing, uh, we are fulfilling what it means to be in the image of God. And, And I think this is rooted in good theology at the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Mm -hmm. same was in the beginning with Him. There's divine communication in the triune being. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit, and so you have communication within the divine being. 
But God, out of his overflowing love, not because he needed us, created us to be able to communicate Hmm. with him and brings us up into his life. So there you have uh, a marvelous uh, uh, understanding, I think, uh, uh, of of the image of God and what it means. Hmm. It's beautiful. Um, What if uh, someone today is listening and they say, you know, I'd I'd really like to sit down and read a... um, J.R.R. Tolkien or Edmund Spencer or Lewis Carroll, but I just don't have time. Um, yeah, we can relate to that, right? I mean, we're we're, we're all, all busy, sh- all short on time. I wonder though if maybe there's a great deal of wisdom in the idea of the Christian Sabbath to carve out some time for us to um, read a good. Book. You know that you that you relate this topic to the Christian Sabbath is creative in itself. <laughs> That's a very good understanding because the Christian Lord's Day, I'll call it the Lord's Day, yeah. uh, but the Christian Sabbath was given to us that we might ref- refresh ourselves. Yeah. And wh- why do we refresh ourselves? Through the Word, uh, through the Scripture, through hearing well, of sermons, and also it's it's a time to, to just – Put a distance between us and the world. Maybe yeah. J.R.R. Tolkien, reading The Hobbit or The Lord of Rings, yeah. which I set aside, by the way, my exam week in my senior year in seminary. Instead of studying for my exams, mm-hmm. I read J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of Rings in three days. I said, let, I love the, it. let the exams go. <laughs> and I don't right. recommend that, but no, I did that. But it worked for you. I got hooked on, on uh, Tolkien yeah. at that point. That's beautiful. So... You're right. I mean, the, the Sabbath was made for man, and so it's, you might say it's a luxury. I don't want to take that time, but God has given you that time. It's, it's also needful. Yeah. I try not to do anything on the Lord's Day except, uh, of course, I have to work. You have to preach. But, but uh, I, uh, I, I don't do anything unnecessarily. I, I read. Yeah. I refresh myself. I yes. study scriptures. Uh, and when I come home Sunday afternoon uh, and then in after the evening service as well, yeah. I am finding a book or something that I want to enjoy very quickly. Yes, yes. Or watching a detective story on TV. Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of hooked on those. <laughs> um, we're almost at the end of the program. we got a few more minutes here. Um, we've suggested some names, or you have John, including John Bunyan. Uh, any other names come to mind before we... Uh, well, there the there are there are many other names that I could uh, uh, mention. I'll mention one that some people think is dicey. J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, she is famous uh, for the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Now, most Christians I've heard a lot of Christians say that's going over the line. She's dealing in magic. Well, C.S. Lewis dealt in, in, in magic. Yes, he did. Uh, they did. They did it in such a way that it is not black, if you will. It's They exposed evil and, and, and good. Uh, Rowling, by the way, is a professing Christian. She belongs to a small covenanter uh, church in Scotland, she and her husband, and she's decidedly Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, she believes that her literature points people to truth. That's interesting. And so I don't think the Christians out there uh, have to be wary mm-hmm. of her writings. Okay. That's helpful. Well, a lot to think about today. Thank you very much. Uh, this was a unique subject today here on A Plain Answer. 
And uh, if our listeners have a question for you about literature, and uh, particularly fantasy literature, that is, that is good literature, um, perhaps they'd like to email us. Our email address here at the station is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Um, just 30-second wrap-up. Well, you might get some feedback, but you also might get some pushback, Dan. <laughs> That's all right, too. That is. Uh, it might start a dialogue. Uh, I would uh, certainly entertain uh, addressing any questions that any of the listeners may have along these lines and why I've developed the views that I have. Um, and I think I even feel more strongly at my age than I did when I was uh, 25. <laughs> that is interesting. Today in the studio has been Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. This program is called A Plain Answer. It's up on our website. Check it out if you'd like to listen to it again. It is found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Quick reminder to join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 